Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we've got Dusty Mankey back on the show. Now, if you've listened to the shows in the past with Dusty, uh, Dusty's from Walker, Minnesota, fishes on Leech Lake a lot, but, uh, you know, he, he's an open water walleye pro. He fishes the NWT circuit, uh, and Dusty's been in the industry a long, long time. He understands the industry. He's a super fishy guy. And uh, yeah, he just knows a lot of stuff. This is a wintertime show. We're talking ice fishing on this show. So it's a little bit of a different side of Dusty that probably, you know, most most people that know Dusty or know of Dusty haven't really listened to him talk a whole lot about ice fishing. But it's just he's just a good friend of the crew here at JMO. And it's really fun to have him on regardless. And uh, this is a really great fishy conversation. And uh, I definitely learn a lot. There's a, a lot of great reminders in this. And as always here on the JMO Podcast, we're always just trying to pick different topics and have conversations with fishy guys to just kind of help, you know, kind of trigger some things in our thoughts and and uh, anything to raise our fishing IQ and uh, get us out there going after the next big bite. So Dusty definitely does that for me. Gets me super fired up, gets the juices flowing, uh, lets me know that I need to continue to get out there and gain experience and uh, just a great conversation. We talk a lot of a lot of different topics, but uh, you know, the main one, Dusty Right there in Walker, Minnesota, you can't beat it. Leech Lake Walleye Patterns on this week's JMO Podcast. And I'm going to say it again this week. Hey, head down to the comment section wherever you're getting the podcast uh, or head over to our social media Facebook page, uh, the uh, the JMO JMO Radio Podcast, and uh, go find the post on this podcast. Head to the comment section anywhere you find it. Uh, let us know what you like or don't like and any recommendations for future episodes, both guests or topics, whatever it is, whatever part of the world you're from. If you want to hear a conversation uh, about a certain place, a certain topic, whatever it is, keep writing them in. We have a ton of them. Who knows if we'll ever get to all of them, but it's really, really fun to read those messages. It's really fun to get those messages. And, uh, you know, who knows so many of these shows, just about all of them anymore are booked uh, based upon messages that we get from everybody with recommendations for topics. So uh, uh, definitely continue to do that. I just want to keep reiterating. We really appreciate the interaction. Send a DM, head to the comments, whatever it is, get in touch with us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now let's get into this interview. So Update me a little bit. What's your past history in ice fishing? What you know, and, and talk to me about some of the things that you enjoy, and uh, and then we'll get up to speed with some of the things you've been doing this year. Yeah, sounds good. No, like I've been, I've been ice fishing. Obviously, you know, probably my whole life. You know, from pan fish. You know, really started young. I told this story the other day. We. We were young kids. I grew up on Forest Lake, north of the Twin Cities, and we would uh, we'd make a makeshift tarp off of the back of my dad's four wheeler that he would let us take out, and we'd set up tip ups and uh, man, talk about a blast! So that's kind of where I got my start ice fishing, um, and then from there, you know, once I really kind of veered into being a walleye guy, I was just obsessed with walleyes, not only on the open water, but uh, really like to chase some early ice 
into January, you know, just about like right now. So like in the next couple of weeks is when I really start a heavy work schedule and my ice fishing kind of peters out until maybe some late ice. So as far as my history goes, I'm an early ice guy. I truly think that's the best time to go capture them. Um, they're vulnerable. Uh, they tend to be more aggressive, you know, until that late ice happens again. So I guess I cut my teeth really chasing walleyes out on Lake Mille Lacs and, uh, you know, kind of want to be the first guys out on some of those spots in the mud flats. And I actually got to do it with my brother and a couple of close friends the other day, and it brought back a lot of great memories. Our, our fishing wasn't the greatest, but it was cool to see some young year class coming up, and we did catch a couple of nice 20 to 23 inches. So, yeah. So, and another thing too is you got your different styles of fishermen, right? Like some guys do the the sleeper fish houses, which I think is kind of fun. Uh, but I've always been kind of a run and gun snowmobile guy or, you know, tie the sled on your waist and, and go out and uh, try to find that hot bite. Um, trying to find where nobody has fished before, you know, just kind of push it the extra mile, kind of like we do in our tournament fishing. So don't get me wrong. I don't mind propping up in one of those fancy shacks and kicking back with the slippers on. Um, but I, I do like getting aggressive and, uh, you know, Jason and I filmed that show here. When was it early December? I want to say, and we got on a really good bite on red Lake. So I guess I'm also a guy too. I kind of chased the bites and I got a good report from Malax the other day, but it was one of those deals. We were to about a day or two shy of the, the bite window. You know, so you kind of learn that over the years too. Like we've had some big storm fronts come through Minnesota lately. And if you can plan getting out there before those storms, whether you're on Leech, Malax, Red, it doesn't matter. Like if you put yourself in the right position with the right, you know, pressure system coming through and you can time it when they're going to bite, kind of like Jason and I did, you can set yourself up for a pretty darn good day of walleye fishing. Yeah. Like you mentioned there, you know, like you're a walleye angler year round. How do you contrast that in your head? Like, 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 are you just mad at them all the time? So it's like this, this constant grind of pursuing a walleye and it's kind of like all the same thing, just the conditions change. Or would you sort of isolate is ice fishing a totally different beast for you is it like different patterns just a different reward a different accomplishment or would you say it's kind of blended like like your strategy your mentality your your goals for the day like uh like how do you describe that in your own head yeah that's a great question i i think it's blended like i i like seeing fish where i caught them in the summer and knowing that they kind of live there And then, uh, you know, like just simply trying to figure it out, just like we do tournament fishing, you know, you leave the dock that day and you want to figure out the puzzle, you know, like Jason and I figured out on Red Lake that they didn't, they didn't want an aggressive jigging spoon or a rattling bait like they did last year, you know, or, or even the week before they wanted a subtle full minnow or Jason was kind of ripping his minnow in half and leaving the air bladder in it, which was something I'd never learned before, you know? So it's little things like that. And then sometimes you can take those little things into, into the summer as well, you know, like 
you know, maybe I am going to try a half a minnow, you know, or something different. In the, so, yeah, it's just tackling the day. And I think ice fishing, it's it's far more um, complicated. You know, it's cold out. Things break. You don't necessarily want to move as much. You know, I got spoiled the other night. I got to go in one of those snow bears. Nice. Oh, my. If I uh, if I had my way, I'd own one of those. Those things are unreal, and maybe someday I will when when I do some more ice fishing. But we moved like six times when on a typical night I might move once or twice with a portable shack. So yeah, I think it's just a mixture of, of, of blended. You know, why I'm not super mad at them to be honest with you. I am not the guy that goes out and slams my you know four to six fish on the ice and say, hey, I caught my limit. You know, like. I like to let those fish back. I like to let them grow. I like people to catch them another day, you know. So sometimes when I'm with people, I'm like, yeah, let's catch a couple. But, you know, what does your freezer look like? We don't need to get that mad at them. Because nowadays with with these, with the sonar technology, like when I was out there the last couple of trips, I can tell when they're uh, an eel pout. I can tell when they're a pike. And walleyes are so cool. They just come through so you know nostalgic and chill like they're 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 wicked man but when they want to bite and eat and feed there's they're efficient you know so it's it's cool to watch their attitude on on the new uh you know active imaging it's it's just uh that that's part of the reason that's gotten me to go out more and more too now is having that down there like i don't like fishing without that thing so you know what watching that and how fish you know um act to it or act to your lure it's just a it's a fun game so you know and you're you're one of the guys that has spent some time with forward sonar you know in the summer and the winter do you find like like the learning curve you know we're we're learning about these fish like you said how they react and you know we i just it's one of the, it's the most popular conversation we have I think in fishing in the in the in the wild, you know, it's like, and on this show too, that's what everybody wants to talk about is like all this, all these new experiences and learning curves that we're having with this forward sonar. But for you specifically with watching fish, like, do the fish like act, pattern, do things? Do you feel like similarly when you're watching them on forward sonar as as they are in the summer when you're using it versus the winter, like? Like what? What would you say, or or how how would you describe that for what your experience level is? Yeah, for sure, they act the same a lot of the times. Um, one big thing that they do that I found is like uh, once a like a walleye raises off the bottom like two or three feet, like that that that's the fish that's gonna bite. Now, you'll be sitting there with the active, or much like with with a regular flashing sonar, you can see that red lump on the bottom you know it's very rare you can get that red lump on the bottom to, to come up off the bottom if it's a walleye and bite but if it comes in like i think it's the same with crappies and stuff when fish come moving in like a little bit suspended that's typically your aggressive fish and that that falls the same with uh within the summer i believe so another thing too is i'm still learning man i'm still learning and i'm still an old soul like i Part of me still doesn't want that technology, you know, but yeah. uh, if, if you don't know it, like you're behind. So right. I, I'm always like questioning it. Do I have the transducer facing right? Do I have the right settings on? Like, why was I marking my lure better? 
last night than I am today, you know, like, and I'm always constantly playing with it, trying to get the best image. I'm always trying to like find fish on the forward part, but then I'm like, Oh, you know, you want to make sure your transducer's facing right. So you're trying to think how it's mounted on your trolling motor. And, you know, so a lot of different stuff goes into it. And then, you know, just New Year's Eve night, I was on a local lake around here fishing panfish with my nephews. And uh, God, did we have fun? We had 15 to 20 fish on the screen at all times. And you could tell the difference between the pan, you know, the sunfish and the crappies. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oop there's a northern and then i'm like there, there's a walleye you know so the only other thing you can really see that well with is like say an aqua view or you know some sort of video camera down there um yeah without the range right though it's like gosh you can see like 100 feet with the yeah sonar. You, you, you can and you're right like so much comes into effect like water clarity and when it gets a certain darkness you can't use that that camera you know and then another thing too that camera's down there that cords in your way stuff gets tangled in it and so just by plopping this transducer below the ice and and just getting more time behind it and being like oh that's a that's a tulipy that's that's a neopote it's, it's a pretty cool thing to finally figure out so when i bring it into my summer fishing i think like oh yeah those are walleyes there's no those are bass you know or you know it's it's pretty cool to start to be able to tell the difference and it's just it's like anything in life, hunting, fishing, you know, your job, you just, the more time you put into something and learn it, the better you ultimately are at it. The JMO podcast is sponsored by Long Haul Trucking. Long Haul's always looking for more skilled professional CDL drivers to join their team. They're a people-first company, and it shows. Their employee-owned, asset-based fleet of over 350 Conestogas is among industry leaders in pay and benefits geared towards long-term success and growth for company drivers and owner-operators. If you're a professional driver or a company that wants to ship product with the best in the business, get a hold of Long Haul at 1-800-255-5153 or find them online at longhaultrucking.com. Long Haul, running on the power of promises kept couple things you were talking there that like jarred i've had a couple of conversations in private that uh talking about like fish uh, walleye specifically and how they how they move when they're active and maybe when they're a little bit neutral like but just like the fishing experience i don't own forward sonar so i fish with i fish with a flasher and you know the different you know, different places that I fish, different experiences that I have or throughout the day when I'm like trying to get up myself on a bite or I'm on fish, I'm catching fish. Like sometimes they, like you said, they emerge on the bottom. The bottom just starts to swell up and get a little bigger and more red or the red lump. And you're just trying, you're fishing down on their level, trying to coax them up. Right. And then it's like, you know, it's just so gratifying when you get one to raise up, follow you, chase you and you catch it, say, two, yep. three feet off the bottom. And, and when the bite's really going, sometimes I'm just more confident to stay up at two feet because I feel like I'm more visible or I'm more, you know, and I can call those fish in. And then sometimes they show up like right on that, right on that lure They They show up right two, three feet off the bottom. And I don't know if they were just cruising at that level being yep. super active or if they saw me far away outside of my cone and they already started to raise 
you know, before they got to me. And I feel like, you know, maybe that doesn't really matter so much, but the picture in my head is like, if I'm more aware, if I had forward sonar and I knew these fish were cruising two, three feet off the bottom, it's probably just as tough at times to get a fish that's three, four feet off the bottom to go down to the bottom. So why would I want to fish down there if I knew that information, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, the wa- typical walleye, you know, you're just pounding the bottom or you stay within six inches of the bottom until you get a mark. And then, and then you start to play a little keep away or whatever it is. But like, has that changed for you with forward sonar? And you see these fish when they're active, they're cruising off the bottom. You have more confidence being raised up off the bottom or am I just like thinking too much? No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. So like for many years, I, you know, being a walleye fisherman without that type of technology, I, I oftentimes fished on the bottom, whether it was a jig and a minnow um, or say a bottom bouncer or, or even just dragging your cranks into the bottom. Like I was always in the bottom 12 inches, right? So after using forward-facing sonar, you know, you develop a pattern of like, wow, these, these fish are suspended. And typically those ones that are raised at the bottom, no matter where you're fishing, if it's in the Missouri Reservoir or, or here on Leech Lake, like those are the active fish. And more times than not, when you cast at them, they will, those fish will go down to the bottom and pin your jig to the bottom. Or when you're ice fishing, if they come in high and you're under them, they will go down and pin your jig or want to, you know, pin you to the bottom. You know, that that's what a walleye is ultimately, you know, one of their tactics is to use that hard lower jaw to just pin the bait to the bottom. So a lot of times I think a mistake us ice fishermen make is trying to do that keep away game and get them and we get them to come up. But, you know, the more videos I watch, you know, like I'm not going to lie, even though I'm kind of getting older, I do watch a lot of YouTube and this newer technology kids are, everybody's posting more and more stuff. Nothing's much of a secret anymore. I mean, some of the stuff you see out there now, we tried to keep a secret for a lot of years and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's not that way anymore. So it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of, it is what it is, but you know, you see guys just going, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try this on the bottom and they'll just move that sand on the bottom. And there's something about that, like a wall I can't resist, you know, like I think if you get it up too high above them, they're kind of smart about it. And they're like, that's, that's almost too natural. Like, why would, why would this be in my face? You know, like something's actually yeah. dying. Something's dying on the bottom. No, that, that's maybe a little more normal, you know? So it just depends on the mood of the fish. You can, you can judge it, uh, you know, just by seeing them coming in. Like if they're coming in slow, I'm probably not going to just start getting aggressive with my jigging, you know, like, but if you see a fish kind of moving in fast, you could probably get aggressive with it. So, yeah, it's just more time behind that, behind that uh, electronics. Oh yeah, that's the fascinating part. Is like, you know, developing some type of a theory and then just spending some time, you know, trying to learn it, you know, yeah. or, or debunk it or whatever, you know, put it to bed. And I think that that's one of them where Jason and I were talking at length on a road trip recently, and like that bottom contact is such a trigger then that's not a secret in general, you know, with fishing, but it's a, that's an open water deal. Uh, yep. I think, I, I really think that I think, you know, people fishing with flashers want to raise a fish and it's such a badge of honor how high off the bottom you can get a walleye to come and chase you and bite. 
Yes. But, yeah. but, oh man, you know, that falling cadence, you know, falling and then, you know, that, that, that bottom contact is like just such a, they have more confidence and anybody that's ever sight fished or seen it on a camera or if this is just new to you, you know, newsflash, walleyes are not very proficient at like getting a bait in their mouth. Not nearly in comparison to like a northern or a largemouth bass, right? Like yep. they do not have the targeting mechanism. They miss a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they right. it's so it's frustrating when you know I've sight fished uh, lately. It's been kind of one of my things. I got an area with some clear water. And I sight fish walleyes, and man, did I ever learn so much about how I was setting the hook wrong a lot. Uh, yep. You know, raising fish off the bottom, they eat it, and their body is positioned almost vertical, so their mouth is pointed up at you. You rip the you rip the the hooks right out their mouth, like it just comes out their mouth. Exactly. When, when they're going down to eat a bait, you already have some advantages with hook angle and things like that. Your hookup ratio goes way up. Like, like just, so even if I had my choice now, what I've learned is, man, those badges of honor catching a fish, you know, six feet off the bottom in the wintertime, especially ain't that big of a badge of honor. In fact, you can have it, you know, it's like you get a big fish to eat off the bottom. Your batting average for hookup ratio goes through the roof. And realistically, those are some bites that people are leaving on the table. So I'm glad you were able to kind of break that down for us. I totally agree. A hundred percent, even with my experience without forward sonar. But yeah, like being able to see where those fish are, what those fish are doing, the trails they're using. That is kind of a fun deal, man. That is a fun deal. And we're kind of getting a little sidetracked because I do have some notes, some things I want you to talk about. Because, you know, we talk about Leech Lake with you in the summertime, but I don't really have. It's been a long time anyway since I've had a good Leech Lake ice episode in fact i don't even know if i really have one where we just spend any time talking about leech lake and so i don't really have anything you know pretty pretty general there Um, and we don't even have to stick to walleyes because i think leech lake gets sort of underappreciated by uh, a a lot of people outside of the area uh for the panfish bites that are out there and, and everything else um so you know, give me a little update on Leech Lake and just some of that general, you know, the, those seasonal patterns, those early and, and uh, you know, mid-ice season patterns out there and, and what life is like out on Leech Lake. And then maybe we'll pick some smaller topics after that. Yeah, so Leech is, uh, to be honest with you, for ice fishing, it's, it's fairly untouched. I mean, there's a few resorts and areas that get pressure. Um. So my favorite time to fish is that first ice, which is typically, you know, mid to late December into your first week of January. And the other night I was out there and we went out to a spot where nobody had gone out to yet. And I believe we caught nine walleyes, might have missed a couple others and, you know, a couple eel pout. Um, And actually I got one of my biggest jumbo perch. So that was, that was pretty cool. And I, I was focusing mostly on the main lake structure there because not a lot of uh, not a lot of re- resorts plow uh, many roads out into the main main basin. So you've got to get on your snowmobile or get creative and uh, maybe just you know do some walking out there. Um, so yeah, that that was a really fun night. But another thing about Leech Lake is is really into the fall into the ice is it really turns into a 
you better be there the first, you know, couple hours in the morning and you better be set up the first couple hours at night. And it's kind of known as a lake where it's not a bad thing to go into the cabin or, or go hit up the town and, and get lunch during the middle of the day. Cause to me, it kind of slows down unless you really, you know, kind of maybe want to go deeper or get aggressive and drill a lot of holes and move a lot of water. You know, you could probably be successful that way. Or what some of the people do uh, out of the resorts, you know, where the rental shacks are, um, is you can get into some pretty good perch action during the day. And then once that per- perch action kind of dies down, you'll get a few walleyes to move through and, you know, it's it's typical for like an ice rental out there, you know, to get a couple of walleyes, you know, some shacks get lucky and can get 10 or 12, you know, but that all depends on the weather, you know, on the mood of the fish. It's 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 kind of more of a sensitive lake in the in the winter, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it offers a bunch of, you know, different options and you can go chase the pan fish. There's some very big pan fish and leech and I haven't done a whole lot of that through the ice. Um, and if I do, it's typically late season. And I, you know, I just try to pick like, um, you know, where a basin kind of maybe would meet up into a, you know, a spawning bay, you know, and then, and then maybe even try to, you know, focus on some vegetation. Um, and you can do the same with some of the big perch. I've had some really cool perch action out there where you can, and the water's so clear, like, so we'll drill like five or six holes by each other. So, you know, you can kind of like watch down there a little bit and see what's going on. It's, it's pretty fun. If you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com or find them on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look absolutely perfect, just like the fish that were reeled in that day. And every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other, we absolutely do. Again, if you want, or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing, Get in touch with Jamie Rizvi at Rizvi Fish Replicas. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about them perch out there. That there's some good perch bites and guys will get on them when they're spawning or get in those spawning areas and really enjoy that a lot. But you, you said something with the walleyes that, you know, where, you know, a night with a friend or a couple of friends on a good spot, you know, if you get eight, nine, ten walleyes, I mean... To me, it, it, anywhere in Minnesota, especially fishing clear water, you know, that's a great night of fishing for yeah. a ton of people. Like, like I, I, I mean, yeah. And um, but and then and then to go to a lake that you know has an offering like that in the morning and evening, but then also you can stay busy during the day. Um, you know, spending time any in well, Walker's just a super fun town to spend time in, but also, you know, you can go chase other species like. That's super cool. But with the walleyes now, like kind of digging into that a little bit, do you feel like those bite windows are kind of fleeting like that? Or are they kind of 
uh, those fish got to be moving. Are they moving far? Are they moving fast? Like, like, why is it so hard to just like keep up with them all day? I just think like, I just think like in the winter, they're just kind of lethargic and they, they don't, they don't move around as much or their metabolism's way slower. So they just, they're like, Oh, you know, it's like us getting up and eating breakfast and eating dinner. Like there's two times of the day they want to eat. See now, like in the summer, I mean, it's probably true in the winter too. If you wanted to put the work in and drill the holes, you'd maybe have some success, but like, you just your chances are better without you know with being stationary to focus in on those hours if that makes sense yeah 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 and it that's like super structure fishing right i mean it's like if you can find the spot on the spot they might not live there all day but they're yeah. not if, if they're not too far away like you just, if you know like right where the restaurant is like they're, yeah. you know they're gonna be there when the time is right um yeah, I think they're like, I think they're just like laying on the bottom or maybe like just, just kind of almost taking a nap. And then it seems like when the right light happens, like they know it's time, you know, in the morning and night, they just kind of rise up and go get what they need. And then they just kind of, you know, go dormant, you know, so, you know, it's just, it's, it, that's just how leech has always kind of been in the fall. It gets, it gets that way. You're fall fishing, right? right before ice up gets that way. And then, you know, summer you can pluck at them all day, but typically, you know, the mornings and evenings are, are still key in those time frames. but you're, you're more susceptible in the summer to, to catch all throughout the day if you find the right school. So I think just, you know, having the patience and getting set up, I think sometimes with ice fishing, you, you can tend to move around too much and get frustrated, you know, so it's not a bad idea to like set a tip up out and just get set up for, for those key bites. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, for like the quote unquote nuanced crowd, you know, and we're trying to have those conversations all the time on here. We're trying to nuance things, you know, we're, we're trying to like convince people that spend too much time in a sleeper shack that they, you know, there's the land of opportunity is outside going out and drilling holes or whatever, but that there's still just such a strong argument there. Uh, when you get on a lake like Leech Lake, it's a big capital walleye factory and there's great fishing, great opportunity there. But when the conditions are what they are, you've got good structure. When you kind of know a little something about it. Yeah. Like that real sweet spot is just that, you know, just being posted up in the right spot at the right time, you know, and just being ready to capture it when they're there. Um, you know, I mean, I, there, there's definitely, that's probably a story that we personally don't talk about nearly enough because we're just talking running and gunning all the time, Yeah. you know, on here. But yeah, yeah, no, I think that's uh, fantastic. And that's kind of, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that probably appreciate that and probably don't even ever really care to get out and get after fish. You know, I mean, like sometimes we make fishing sound like, it, you know, it's just such a, such a, a an athletic sport you know it's like the people that are willing to put in all this work you know but it's like you know an opportunity like that go to leech lake go you know yeah like rent one of these sleeper shacks that is on it you know just you know there's some good information there's it's in the right spot it's in the right place or do your own homework and you know drive out there set up your stuff do it the way you like to do it and um that's a heck of a good day of fishing if you ask me you know if you get a chance at a few nice wallies in the morning Go chase yep. some nice crappies midday or some perch. That really sounds like fun. And I know there's nice perch out there. And then in the evening, you're just back on your good spot. And um, yeah. yeah. And then what about a night bite? You ever like any anybody that's 
that's in those sleeper shacks? Is there ever uh, any story there with the night bite? I, I don't probably talk about that nearly enough on here. Oh yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer too. And, and Jason and I kind of seen, seen this on red Lake this year, you know, we're in nine feet of water and I had my, you know, active target down and he, he was using his Vexar and he caught like twice as many fish as me. So sometimes, you know, like experiment with that. So that's a cool thing leading into what I'm trying to get to with like a sleeper shack is, Oh yeah. You get action all throughout the night on rattle reels. You, you tend to turn your Vexars off, turn the lights down, totally become real quiet. You know, it went from like a poker game to a sleep fest and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden your rattle reel starts going off, you know? So, there, you know, sometimes it's not a bad idea to just shut everything down and be quiet. And another thing too is, you know, typically, you know, these, these big groups of shacks, you know, there's a lot of noise, there's generators going on and, you know, I'm a firm believer of, you know, think of how a walleye is. They're, they're kind of like a, you know, they don't want, want too much going on, you know. So maybe get out away from those and, and you know, like I said, set up a tip up or go drill a dozen holes and go move around like, you know, during those prime time or even after dark, put your headlamp on. You'll be surprised. You'll, you might have went from two to three fish that night to five to six because you went and did a little extra work. And then, and of course, be, when you're on the right body of water, any one particular bite is like a lottery bite. It could just be a huge fish, and that's what you're there for, right? It's like you just you gotta you gotta be counting the bites. I think. Okay. I sure. think that's a really strong point. I honestly, I've never like thought about it that way in that exact way. I've uh, one question I I had recently. I was talking to a guy, a guide from Park Rapids, and I was asking him like. Why do you think people don't run and gun at night? Like, what's the what's the reasoning for all these like really, uh, uh, you know, all the everybody in the industry right now is like just the next best thing to peanut butter, right? Like we've got all these thunder jock anglers, but how come nobody straps it on and goes after fish at night? You know, when we're talking walleyes and crappies, you know, we, well known, you know, low light feeders. We know that there's fish feeding at night at times. We know that there's a night bite. In certain places, certain times, we can, you know, we just know that's happening. But how come nobody's trying to nuance the night bite when you have no competition out there? Nobody yeah. else is out there at night. Like your spots, you know, and, and not to mention the community spots where there is fish houses, most of those people are at home. You know, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, like how come nobody, I don't know. I That's a question that I'm still yet to feel confident on the answer until somebody just tells me that they've done a ton of running and gunning at night and it didn't pay off, like, I won't be satisfied on that. I might have to be the person that spent some more time getting after them at night. But it could just be, like you said, the elements. Yeah, You're always the, wrecking stuff. <laughs> night oh, would be a nightmare, maybe. Yeah, I'm the other day. My, I got to my spot. The auger head was detached from the oh. bottom. My heater, everything. I'm like, oh. But they, the 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 snow out there kind of froze into like waves that are hard as a rock. So there's a couple that I hit that you didn't know what was on the other side. And it, your, my gear just got really slammed. So that that's, you know, it's the elements. I think it's gotta be the perfect, you know, for you to go out and do some outside running and gunning as far as like temps go in. But I, I definitely think it, 
I mean, fish feed throughout the night. It can be done. It, I bet you could be successful at it. It's just you got to put the extra work in, and, and it's pitch dark. You know, it's you know, like for me, I'm getting a little older, and it's like ah, we're gonna get set up this afternoon, and you know, fish till six six thirty, and call it. You know, like like I'm not that mad at them, but I still want to go out there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I can totally appreciate that, but yeah, I feel like. Man, I feel like there's definitely still some stuff out there that we're not, like, if you're just looking for another great experience, right? Because you can think back when you were younger and it was all about the experiences, like, whereas, like, you're just starving for the next best thing that you hadn't had yet, you know, like, you know, catching a fish in a certain way on a certain lure or going to fish a destination that you hadn't, you know, you'd only heard about, like, whatever it is, whatever the next adventure experience is that's, like, on the horizon, I feel like we're not even thinking about the ones that are right in our back door just at night. It's a different fishing experience. It's, it's different. You got to do things differently. You got to operate differently. And and I'm talking about being aggressive. I'm talking about having strategies where you're going to go out and pioneer a bite or find the spots or figure out what they're doing at night that they're not doing during the day. And you got to get out there and, you know, it's going to take, you know, a few years of, of putting your time in for us to really be able to answer any questions on it. But like, that those are some experiences that you don't have to drive, you know, six hours down the road for. I mean, that that's just you know, it can be a lake. What's old is new. A lake that you fished a thousand times, you just never fished it. You know, an hour past dark to midnight, and it's like yeah. I think I think that there's some potential opportunities there. And typically, when I talk to people about night fishing, it, it's typically a quality thing over quantity. Typically, if there is bite windows, you know, you definitely can't expect, uh, you know, and you can agree or disagree on Leech Lake. Like, it's not always that you expect the bite windows to open up and you're going to catch more fish, but typically you're, you know, it's a, the expectation or the hope is, um, you know, that the quality goes up. Your chance of catching a big fish that's trolling at night um, is kind of the deal there, I think, maybe. Yeah. think like you said i think the the best bites people get on in the winter is the guys that take the biggest chances you know and, and i'm not saying like chances on early ice um you know always be cautious then you know check your check your ice that's that's very important but like say it as far as like just going to spots where nobody's fished or some of these lakes up here i can tell you don't they don't see much much pressure you know, so if you can just pick a spot and, and just make a plan, like those are going to be your best bites for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I like that. I like, yeah, 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 like taking a chance, not not a risk, but just taking a yeah. chance on a spot and yep. uh, just factoring in. I had a really cool conversation uh, with Joel Nelson recently about just how to approach the the learning that we're having with this forward sonar of like, uh, you know, we're learning that the, the noise on top of the ice affects these fish too much. No, you know, the more the noise, the more the uh, stimulation it is and it's affecting fish, all kinds of fish. It's it, every fish has some reaction to it. Um, and it's almost never a positive thing. There's no real examples of like a bunch of pickup noise being like turning a bite on, you know, um, but it moves fish. Uh, it does things. And what do you do? And and I guess one thing that I brought up that we, him and I discussed a bunch, and maybe you could have a take on this as well in some way, shape, or form. But like fishing, you know, the the quiet 
ice, the quiet parts of the lake, um, as if it's structure in the same concept that we do, you know, where you might fish a bait ball or, you know, a bait uh, balls as structure where you're chasing them around. It's a moving structure. Um, or in the spring, like water temperature where water, you know, warm water moves around in an area and, and, and fish will react to that and that'll turn bites on and off. And it's like, that's a moving structure. It's kind of an, it's, it's visible, but it's invisible, you know, like it's like, it's not structure like a big boulder, you know, that that's stationary, something you can always go back to, but like quiet ice, I think in some way, shape or form, if you could concept it like structure where if you just got out there objectively out on a body of water and just looked where all the things were happening, and then just go to the area where less stuff is happening and then yep. just try to break that area down. Try to find the sweet spots that are within that area. I think that could be a huge factor. And I think that's that if somebody can get good at doing that um, and we can kind of teach people how to, you know, nuance that a little bit more, there's some great fishing opportunities. And I think that's exactly what you mean when you say take a chance. Take a chance on an area where nobody else is fishing. And don't assume that they're not fishing there because there's no fish there. Find out for yourself. Yeah. You know, go prove it to yourself that there's no fish there. But being away from people and then being stealthy on your own, you know, don't produce yeah. that noise yourself. Being stealthy on your own is, you know, like, like I feel like you guys, you industry guys have been preaching that stuff in not so many words even before this technology was coming out, teaching yeah. us. I mean, you guys have been telling this story for a long time. We're just better at knowing exactly what we're talking about now. And the and then the amateur like me, I'm starting to get it. Like, I'm starting to figure it out because <laughs> these examples of this forward sonar, you just can't deny it. You know, yeah. I think one of the biggest examples, I, I, without a doubt, like it's not even a question, the most influential example of, of learning from forward sonar that I've had in my career working for Jason was when we fished with you and we had scout mode on the Lorance last spring. Yes. And we could we found like basically the threshold down to a three foot. It was between 40 and 43 feet. We could drive the boat to those fish. You could both double up on the first cast if we didn't break that threshold. But when we yeah. did, if we saw them on side imaging at 30 feet and then we swung back around and put it on spot lock, well, they had gone. Yeah. It's like, oh, these fish are moving. Well, no, we moved them. We yeah. know that now because when we find them earlier on scout mode, we find them before the boat gets to 40 feet. Those fish were just, they love that spot. And you, yep. got, you guys would catch six out of that group. Yep. And I used that all summer last summer. I tried to get away from the boat and get, you know, get my, how do I get my presentations away from my boat as far as I possibly can? And I had the best year of fishing possible. And I would say that that accounted for probably 80% of the success that I was looking for. And it was a quality deal too. I caught bigger fit, more big fish last summer, just using casting techniques when appropriate and, or just getting better at trolling and, you know, just things looking at a spot differently and like, yeah, 110%. So it's like the amateur like me, if I can start to learn from it, finally, um, it's got to mean something. It's yeah. got to mean something. How about this? You know, getting back to where we started here when I was asking you about, you know, just just how ice fishing is for you as a turn, you know, an open water tournament angler as far as walleyes go. Like, 
is there ever anything do you ever like do you ever have an approach during the winter are you ever trying to learn something during the winter that uh that kind of like ups your game yeah i think you might have just said it it's just being on the water and helping your confidence so if you go out and like the other night we caught a handful of fish and uh i felt that was successful so try to mimic that same thing in your summer game like and we caught 12 fish today we caught five that felt good and then you know, the biggest thing I think I learned from is when I go to Red Lake or out on Leech Lake and I got skunked and I'm like, well, what, what should I have done different? You know, what, what should I have done different, you know, to, to not have that happen, you know? And I think there's so many guys that, that maybe not look at that or pay attention to your barometric pressure or, you know, feeding windows, um, you know, why didn't they bite or if they swam up or why didn't I put a full minnow down? Why was I just jigging a jigging spoon or why didn't I try a rattle bait to try to call some more in, you know? So I think what you do is you take away from your what you did good and what you did bad and try to try to just improve that on your next experience. Or like I said, maybe shut the graph down and go if the fish are real lucrative, just go real quiet, you know, or or get out there and get real aggressive, you know? So I, I think, uh, and just try to take away anything you can. Uh, another thing too, is just making sure you're prepared. Like all your gear is prepared in the ice season, same way as I prepare in my boat, you know, nothing's messy. Don't bring too much. Try not to break stuff, <laughs> you know, like, Oh yeah. 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 You just keep yeah. the juices flowing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never even juice. thought about it that way, but it's like the way you're talking about it, it's like, yeah, just keep the juices flowing. Cause man, how rusty would you feel if yeah. you didn't ice fish and the, it comes spring, you know, you'd have to like, you'd have to go fishing with your brother down South chasing bass and stuff. Exactly. Oh, yeah. that'd be or, terrible. <laughs> or like, it'd be a lot of fun actually. Yeah, no kidding. But no, like, uh. You know, every spring I try to sneak down on a weekend before one of our tournaments and get, you know, get on the river in Red Wing and just knock the dust off. Like, not even being where we're going, just so much happens in that time. And it's not so much catching the fish. It's just making sure your gear's prepared, your graphs are working and dialed in, you know. Like, I'm already starting to prepare for spring tournament fishing, you know, now, you know, in my garage, going through my gear, you know, dialing in my grass from not going to a place and taking those old coordinates out. You know, it's, there's always stuff to be done and preparing, just being prepared, I think is, is key is if it, whether it's ice fishing or, uh, or going to a tournament, you know, just calling, reaching out to some buddies. Like I went to Mille Lacs the other day and, you know, I touched base with a couple of friends and just, you know, cause they had some feet on the ground there already. And it's like, you know, just, getting the juices flowing like you said yeah yeah i like it and playing tackle man yeah there's no more fun uh, video game in the world than going out in your garage and playing tackle yeah it's just relaxing that's <laughs> yeah, the best <laughs> it is the best well this yep. conversation was very relaxing for me dusty man i appreciate your time we can definitely wrap this up and and promote your socials your yourself like any any anything that you want to just throw out there now's the time and um but yeah, man, before it's over, just uh, appreciate the the kickback conversation and it gets my juices flowing just to talk fishing with uh, somebody like yourself. So I appreciate the time, man. Uh, any, anything you want to promote, go ahead. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, always a good time talking fishing. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram or Facebook, Dusty Minky. Um, yeah, we'll talk soon, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, man.